0: This is Laura Bailey, the voice of Black Widow, and you're listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast.
1: Have you ever been to Disneyland? Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got
0: now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone. Not to mention laser discs, high-depth TV.
1: You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show. Mm-hmm. Because the day that, that, that Pete Docker invited me to, to be his co-director, I was completely flabbergasted and felt like I won the lottery, and I did. <laughs> I actually had to post a very cryptic blog post on <laughs> my blog. Say, the world has changed oh no <laughs> but i said nothing more hey y'all it's spike from double trouble daddy you're tuning in to the great big beautiful podcast episode 24 starts now here are your hosts jamie green and justin connors
0: so jamie you wrote an article a few a few weeks ago now i think and you shared it on our facebook page and it was a ranking of the Geek Dad writers, uh, top is it top 10? Top well,
2: no, 10 it's, there's fif- with with Inside Out, there's 15 films, so we just ranked them all.
0: Oh, so you ranked every film. Okay, yeah. so so how did you do that? How did that come about?
2: Um, over on Geek Dad, we kind of have our own little social. It's not really a social media thing because it's just us, but it's our own little place where we can talk to each other, talk to one another, and, and about whatever, and share links, and talk about ideas, and things like that. And one day we just started talking about um, the Pixar films and our favorites, and it just kind of morphed from there. About you know if we had to rank them, how would we rank them? And um, Geek Dad, being Geek Dad and full of geeks, everybody had their own way of of figuring out an accurate ranking for how we should place values on each. I mean, it, it got out of hand. It's and serious business, Gene. Oh, it, I mean, it was like statistics, like 301 here. And like, <laughs> I had no idea what some of them were talking about. And I, listen, let's just do it my way. And I did a very simple way. I had everybody basically just rank their favorites, um, one to 15. And which isn't exactly fair, because that's working on the assumption that everybody has seen all 15 of them. And that's not true for everybody. Um, But uh, so what I did is I just took the top. I don't even remember what I did now. I took the top five and I just gave um, the top five points, five, four, three, two, one points. Right. And then I just calculated it from there. And then based on that, um, I was able to rank all 15 because, um, I'm looking at my post now because it's been a while since I don't remember. So yeah, every every film, I, got, I think I got 21 responses. So 21 of the writers ranked the films, and every film uh, was ranked in the top five at least once. So there were no films that had a zero value. Surprisingly, wow. Cars yeah. 2. Somebody ranked Cars 2 in their top five. Which oh come was on, shocking. <laughs> uh, who? You gotta who
0: you got to out who I I don't
2: honestly I'd have to go check because I don't remember. who <laughs> But rest, you know, rest assured. Cars two came out at the bottom. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that was probably its only vote um, <laughs> among the top fifteen. Everybody else put it dead last, and somebody put it in the top five. I don't
0: remember. Who that the guy's was. like, "I like Tomater."
2: <laughs> and I think to be fair, I think it was because whoever it was, his kid has watched it so many times. Uh, like it's like, "Oh, I've come to appreciate the finer points." Right. <laughs> but still, top five is is kind of a stretch. Right. <laughs>
0: So uh, did was Inside Out included in the ranking or was it? Uh, yeah,
2: looking now, it, it came out at number seven. And I think it's only there because it's so new. Um, right. Not everybody had seen it when we did this ranking. And it doesn't have the benefit of time.
0: Right.
2: Uh, you know, a lot of the, the top three um, were up at three. Toy Story, the original at two. And then Incredibles came out at top as number one. Okay. Uh, and those have all been out for long enough that people have become attached to them and really love them. Um, inside out, I think given time will probably climb in most people's estimation. I think it'll be a solid top five for most people.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and, and nostalgia is a hard thing to beat, right? (laughs) Sure.
2: Well, I mean, you look back at toy story, the original, I mean, it's been 20 years now. Mm. And I mean, technically it's still impressive as a product of the year of, of when it was made, but it's, it doesn't hold a candle to what, you know, the, the, the more recent movies, but the story is what keeps it up there. I mean, it's number two because of the story, not because right. of the, you know, the technical specifics of how the movie was made.
0: So where would you personally put inside out on your list? Now that we're talking about inside out today.
2: Um, I think, I think I would I think it's a solid top 5. I don't know where it would be. Um my number 1 I think is probably Finding Nemo. I just have a soft spot in my heart mm-hmm. for that movie. I think it's a it's a perfect movie about fatherhood. Um and I I can't remember how I voted actually when we did this um that when I did that that ranking article. So, but I know I had Finding Nemo at, at number 1. Um The other movies that I would probably put in there, I'd probably be, um, probably be Inside Out, the original Toy Story, Wall-E. See, (laughs) everybody loves The Incredibles and it came out at number one by, by a wide margin. I mean, it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. It wasn't, Hmm. I mean, number one and two, it wasn't even close. Um, and I may put it in, in top five, but you know, the thing is, I think I've only seen it all the way through twice. Right. I don't, so I, I, don't, I haven't seen it enough to really fall in love with it. I, right. I enjoy it. I like it a lot, but I haven't seen it enough times to really, to really, you know, solidify its place in a top five for me.
0: Right. Toy Toy Story 3 for me is probably my favorite. And yeah. my reasoning is just, I always think of the, you know, the, the furnace scene where they're holding hands going down. That's like a, something i always remember i actually may have cried during that i did i did not may have i did <laughs> oh yeah absolutely The that, connection to the characters like yeah
2: yeah that i mean that scene and then the scene at the very end when you know he's giving bonnie his toys i mean talk about getting all blubbery My, <laughs> I, I couldn't control it at that point so
0: perfect so that leads us into today um, the reason we're talking about where Inside Out ranks is we have an unbelievable guest today, and I'm so stoked. And this is probably, I, yeah, I'm not going to say the coolest. We, we, we,
2: we say it every <laughs> week.
0: I know. Every <laughs> week it's the coolest because it's the newest. <laughs> um, Tony Pancroft was pretty awesome.
2: Uh, yeah, they've all been really awesome. Right, um, yeah. Th- yeah, this week um, we had the absolute privilege to talk to Ronnie Del Carmen, who was the co-director with Pete Docter on Inside Out. Um, and so we managed to schedule some time with him um, through Pixar. And um, he comes from a long history with Pixar. He started there in 2000. Um, he has worked with Pete Docter. He worked with Pete Docter on Up. He was story supervisor on Finding Nemo. He directed the short um, Up, the Up short that appeared on the Blu-ray, Doug's special mission, and... Um, he before Pixar, he worked. Uh, he worked with DreamWorks. He actually did some storyboarding and artwork for Batman: uh, The Animated Series, which I just adore. And he actually yeah. worked on Mask of the Phantasm, which I think is one of the best animated films ever. Um, so yeah, the, he, it's it's he. The guy is impressive. He's won. He's won an Eisner for his uh, for his comic book work. He's won a Daytime Emmy. He's won Annie Awards. I mean. Um, the guy should be a household name um, right up there with Pete Docter, um, and we're just thrilled that he was—he uh, managed to take some time today to talk to us.
0: All right, so we're going to go to our interview with Ronnie Del Carmen.
2: Ronnie, thank you so much for, for joining us this week. This is just an absolute pleasure. Um, and- uh, it's,
1: it's our
2: pleasure as well. Congratulations. I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times, a million times already, but oh, congratulations. I, I never on get tired hearing it. <laughs> congratulations it. on Inside Out. Many people have called it, you know, a return to form for Pixar, and I don't think that I could uh agree with that statement anymore. It's just it was a beautiful film. It it touched touches you in all the right ways and it was just just a beautiful beautiful film.
1: Thank you very much. Everyone who's worked on Inside Out, uh thanks you.
2: Um so I guess Generally speaking, I know you come to um, you were co-director on Inside Out, but you come to this film with a pretty long background with storyboarding um, and, and layout and design, things like that. So um, I'm just wondering, generally speaking, how much of a film's story um, is laid out before you begin boarding? Like and how much how much is already do you already know about, you know, the, the, the beats and where where the story is going to be going?
1: Well, we, we kind of do our, our, we, we do our movies in, in story reels, which is kind of a layout path. Most of it, it's, it's really just a storytelling path because animated features are, are not scripted the same way live action movies are scripted. We, we rely on script just to get our thoughts down, but we never quite prove our movie to be true and, 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 and kind of the movie that we want to make until we make it into reels and by that i mean we draw them we 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 screen them as if they're movies they're still drawn and so there's a lot of staging and kind of layout situations that are in the storyboards that help us indicate kind of what we're going for it won't be the final world on word on 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 layout and on and or staging but we kind of know its visual intentions for uh you know for a good hefty part of the movie
2: um and at what point do you realize that a story like i mean, you, it takes a long time i know you've said it before and i've heard it said before it takes 5 5 years to make a film and it, at least it did with inside out um, and so you go through lots of drafts, lots of different story ideas. But at what point do you realize that, this, that a story that you have for a film is the right idea? I mean, is there, is there just like an aha moment where you finally realize you're like, Eureka, this is the film. This is the story that we're going to make. Or is it just sort of like a progressive realization that you're on the right track?
1: It's, it's kind of more the latter. It's, it's progressive realization. You have a couple of aha moments based on what your goals are. Like, aha, we finally found this character as in we enjoy watching one character, whereas before we don't really quite know what to do with it. they like, aha, or kind of like you understand what the movie is about in terms of why you go on this journey. Because as, as simple as that question is, it's kind of one of the harder things that you have to answer really early. It's like, well, what is this journey about? What is this movie going to mean for anyone watching it and why should they care? Those are those are big questions we try and answer very early in making the movie. So there is a progressive kind of solve kind of big picture things, conceptual things as early as you can. And then there are other aha's in terms of like, oh, the tone of the comedy. Oh my goodness, we solved it. Whereas that would elude us for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that we, we we tend to to use as milestones. Okay.
0: Right. So in the, in the uh, story itself, um, it took a lot of work to narrow down the emotions to five. Did you have any rationale for eliminating them?
1: Uh, well, there's a ra- the rationale is after you tried a few of them. So <laughs> we, we tried we, because the, the concept that Pete doctor has is so vast and so amazing that uh, there's not a lot of uh, opportunities that we can just say no outright about because there's no way to know. Uh, we tried uh, one emotion. Uh, we tried pride, because we think that you know uh, kids can can be easily swayed by the, you know how good they are or kind of like what they they love about their themselves. Uh, this is like yeah, pride would be good, uh, except that pride had nothing to do other than to boast. Mm-hmm. That's all he could do. And and then the other one was hope. the The character hope was nice and charming and caring, uh, but we found out that all she ever does is start her sentences with the words, I hope. Mm. And then, and she ran out of things to do very early. So after that, we just kind of like, okay, she's gone. <laughs> uh, that's the way we try. It. We're kind of like, okay. That seems like it's a lot of fun because uh hope's the emotion we would love to be able to have in the movie. But then uh, as soon as we try, it's like, you know, she's funny, but uh, she's only funny in that one way. Yeah, and it's not a lot that you can use after that one time you've used her.
2: Yeah, they don't so, really—they uh, don't really propel the story or the plot very much beyond yeah, one or two gags.
1: and you are right. Uh, eventually, it came down to uh, one of the parts of the movie that we, we we are so lucky to have is that when when joy and sadness are are not at headquarters, you're left with these three emotions: disgust, mm-hmm. anger, and fear, which coincidentally kind of describes the state of a teenager <laughs> which helps us in, in, in a way that thank goodness that those are the emotions that we choose and there's not one that doesn't quite belong there was like okay so those are the kind of things that you do back and forth you try out a, a number of things we, we used to try out other emotions because we thought that because of the research it was like well Emotions, uh, there's a com- competing number and some of the experts that we consulted with. Some of them have like seven, some of them have 27. So we started experimenting with a bunch of them or, or we thought that maybe there'd be emotions waiting in the wings, mm-hmm. right. waiting for their turn. Uh, so w- what if we have these emotions that are kind of like uh, at the break room out in an outside circle of, of headquarters and one of them wa- was Ennui the, the other one was uh, Schadenfreude. Uh, Schadenfreude was a little, little uh, cute little guy wearing lederhosen. Uh, and, <laughs> and they would peek inside headquarters, and every time somebody gets hurt, uh, Schadenfreude would be snickering, oh, you are hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like, i he's I, happy, I'm overjoyed. And then, then they'd close the door, and it feels like an episode of, of, of Laugh-In, but you never see them again. And and we thought that that's really funny, but uh, we have no time to explain. <laughs> yeah. What else happened with those guys?
2: Yeah. Um, I I know that there when you when you first started um, plotting out the story that there were a lot of you went through a lot of different emotions, like you just said. Um, and I, I listened to an interview with Pete Doctor, and he was saying that you know ultimately you guys arrived at five, and it seemed like just the right number. It was not too many to feel overwhelming and five was a good odd number. Um, But I'm wondering, were there, was there a sixth emotion, you know, or was there one or two that you really just wanted to keep in the movie, but, but just, you know, it was just too many or that had to be cut at the last minute or like, I guess like, what was that emotion that, that almost made the cut, but just didn't.
1: No, actually we, when we settled on five, as a good odd number. uh, The, the sixth, tended to be someone that we've already tried, like we mentioned hope yeah. and, and, and pride. Every now and then we would, because we like certain bits about them, they would kind of sneak back in, kind of like, but not really, there's not a lot for them to do and they fall out. Um, the, the, the five tended to be kind of like, uh, just enough for you to write for the five voices. Because when you're scripting these things for yourself and trying to make the story work, each of them kind of have to chime in at a specific moment. And then when you haven't heard from another character for a long time, they tend to kind of be on that stage wait, yeah. which is it's really awkward when you watch it in your movie and feel like, you know, we haven't heard from that character in a long time because we have nothing for them to say, yeah. which, is the, which is the one metric that says, maybe you don't need them <laughs> you know, and you cut
2: it. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, I, I, speaking of since we're talking about the different emotions, um, was anyone else in terms of casting? Was anyone else ever even considered for the role of anger? Because Lewis Black just seems oh, so perfect. Oh, me know. Yeah. Uh
1: ah, no. Yeah. Well, when uh, we were essentially doing a wish list, we had clips of Lewis, and uh, we had, every time that we played for other people, because uh, as you know, it's like pitching these ideas they're kind of like a scratch pad if if you're not getting any responses from people you know uh, executives down or down the line to your people helping you make the movie if you're not getting any responses from your suggested casting uh eventually you start looking elsewhere but every time that we show a clip of lewis just the one clip that we chose people have this broad smile on their face and they're giving you belly laughs and they're 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 shaking their head as if it's like hey, he's he's it. It's this. yeah. Everyone is, is if we changed our minds, they probably would have killed us. <laughs> <laughs> um, I,
2: I know we, we we've mentioned this at the top of the interview, and have I've heard it referenced in several places. That you know the average Pixar movie, it's a five year road to develop of, of development, five year road till you know we see it as the movie theater goer we see it on the screen and i'm just wondering if quickly in broad strokes for those who aren't aware of all the work that goes into the film like sort of what takes five years for those who don't know
1: ah well it it, it takes kind of about like a, a year and a half uh, to two years for production that means that everything that you see on the screen that we try and make the sets the characters uh, the the props uh, lighting, shading, uh, uh, sound, music—all of those things that eventually you will experience in the theater—takes about a year and a half, two years in production. And and every every other thing besides that is about getting ready for production. So that means that it is story, editorial work, and uh, um, the the parts that will prove if your movie is good enough to go into production. So for about three years you spend making story reels over and over again and try and prove that this movie is stable enough to actually spend the big bucks of producing it so that it will show up on the screen. So story reels means that you're, you're creating the all three acts of the movie, you're refining your characters, you are recording temp voices for them in the beginning. That means all your Pixar players that's that's Pete's voice and Josh Cooley's voice and then our Pixar players will be used on the story reel in place of the actual cast members that we are Mm -hmm. intending to put in the roles. And then we screen them in in our big theater and watch it like a movie. It will have temp uh, music tracks, uh, temp sound, and we judge it if it's any good. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we take some notes and we do it over and over again for about three years until they say, okay, the first two and some acts of that movie is really solid. You, you've done great work on it. Now you have to start up the machine. You haven't solved everything yet, but you have to start up the machine so that you can get to your release date. Right. So not everything will have been solved, but you are kind of healthy enough that it feels like this movie is on its way. Right. So that's kind of what we do in the five years. And and some movies take four years. Some people take longer than five years. Yeah. It depends.
2: Every Everyone has its own unique challenges, though, right?
1: Yes, every every one of those. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like, oh, man, uh, for the first two years, we were golden. Yeah. And then after that, you hit a roadblock, some kind of way of looking at your movie that isn't working. And then you stall out a little bit and then you try and get help and then you work on it some more and then you cross your fingers and then you pray to all the gods <laughs> <laughs> and you, and you wish for salvation. Stuff like that. <laughs> so Pixar
0: films are well known for their cross generational appeal and talking as much to adults as as to the kids and inside out seems to be on a different level. Um Were there ever any concerns that the film might be too adult or too sad for some young viewers?
1: Uh, we've never quite given ourselves that kind of hex because it's just figuring out a good story is, is kind of hard enough <laughs> uh, but we we do concern ourselves about those kinds of questions, especially if other people are concerned about them. Right. so what we what we do is like what we did actually is we screened this movie to our employees and their kids. Okay uh story reels. and uh, our, our way of trying to gauge that is that we ask the kids questions yeah. afterward. It's kind of like a you know a test screening, but only with with the kids. And um, to be honest with you, a lot of the parents would probably be able to say it's like, well, you know, it's a story reel, it's drawn. I don't know if, you know, uh-huh. it might not be too easy to get. But after that, they actually tell us what they thought of the movie, the kids did. So we asked some kids and then they tell us our movie back to us, what they understood. What was it about? What does Joy want? What does Sadness want? You know, Who's your favorite yeah. character? And kids are very articulate. I mean, these are kids are ranging from five years to about 12 or 14. And then uh, there was one story that we pick out that was really amazing. It's like after the screening, it's like one kid, had, had, was uh, on the diving board about to go and jump into the pool, and then realized at that moment that. And he tells the parents that that at that moment fear was driving, mm-hmm. and that mm. uh, what he needed to do was get over it and jump. And he does. Yeah. So after a screening like that, that we're, we're and we were wondering it's like maybe we you know we should double check to see if this is too complicated the the report back to us based on that is kind of like no the kids are with with us and that everything that we're trying to tell actually works on, at their level there are a lot of uh moments there that feels like it's exclusively for more grown-ups to to grasp but i don't think the kids are, are oblivious to it except that you know they will laugh at the things that they will laugh at and there are things that the adults will pick out there are just moments for themselves
2: yeah, they're they're re- remarkably attuned to what they're watching. I mean, I think, I think the tendency is to not give kids enough credit. Um, and I
1: I agree <laughs>
2: I mean, I have I have two little kids that are four and six, and when we went to see Inside Out, there were parts of it without I was sure were going right over their heads, but after the movie. Like, those are the moments that they picked out and they, the, you know, they remembered them and they got them. You know, they may not have gotten every nuance and of, of every character or every word that was spoken, um, but they understood it on their level and they took away their own messages and their own meanings. And I mean, that's, you know, it's been said a thousand times, but that's the beauty of Pixar is that it can, it has multiple meanings for whatever age that you are when you watch it.
1: Exactly. And. And, and only because we, we're kind of like making movies as as us being the storytellers. Um, this is kind of our natural state. We we can't tell a story from any other vantage point other than ours. And since we're kind of like big kids, I mean, we, we make animated features and, and we make each other laugh by drawing mean caricatures of each other. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and, and, and our jokes and, and our dialogue is replete is, is, is done with sound effects and we even sing our own soundtracks to each other. <laughs> that's that's how we build these things by entertaining ourselves and and if it's too kind of niche uh, uh, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be entertaining to anybody but us but but we do test it amongst each other and in our own families so we try and we try and do our homework
2: um can we let's talk for a second about the role of co-director um sort of what sets you apart um what's what's your function on the film what's the dynamic between the director and the co-director what what's what aspects of the film are you responsible for
1: yeah yeah well being co-director is kind of different for every co-director i find out Mm -hmm. because the day that 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 Pete Docker invited me to, to be his co-director. I was completely flabbergasted and felt like I won the lottery, and I did. <laughs> I, I I actually had to post a very cryptic blog post on <laughs> my <laughs> blog that said, the world has changed. Oh, no. <laughs> I said nothing more. Because it's not one of those things that if, if you did an X amount of movies, then you get promoted. No, n- nothing like that happened. <laughs> Uh, he completely surprised me and, and I said yes immediately and then then right after I wondered, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. So I asked the other co-directors. I asked Lee Unkrich, I asked Andrew Stanton, I asked Bob Peterson and all three of them gave me three completely different answers because they function as the co-directors in the movies that where they served uh, as co-directors in different ways. Lee Uncridge is, is a matter, uh, he, master of editorial. Bob Peterson is, is the funniest human being uh, uh, alive and, his, and and great character you know, uh, creator. Uh, Andrew Stanton is, is, is a master storyteller. So they each have those strengths. So uh, the reason that Pete Doctor uh, invites me is for specifically the, the kind of, of, of goods that I bring to the party. And that, I suspect, is because we worked together on the movie Up. Mm -hmm. In the movie Up, I was his story supervisor. And we worked so well there that it felt natural for us to actually work on his next one. And because he'd rather that I focus solely on being there for him to actually craft the story and kind of like be in partnership with him it's better for me to, to, to be a co-director than to be a head of story and have to mind a story crew. So that's what I did. I, I, I wrote, mm-hmm. I drew, I designed, I, I focused on, on, stories, of uh, in the, in the movie where, and it's about it's emotional through line. I, I tend to go first and fastest towards the things that we need solving, mm-hmm. like, uh, like you know the, the they call this in, 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 in scripting parlance, you know what what is the dark night of the soul uh, for your main character? What is it that if the quest were to die, what would it mean for your main character and and how what does that look like? What does that feel like? So I get to explore that earlier and and faster than anybody before we can actually employ a story crew. and we try and solve that because those are big conceptual parts of the movie that would define the tone and the experience of your movie. Yeah. Without those, it's almost not worth going.
2: Yeah. So you, you're, you're basically like, I don't want to just say you're making the outline, but like you're writing the biography of all the characters and you're writing their backstory and you're figuring out what it is that makes them tick and you're getting yeah. to that end point And then that way you can go back and you're the go-to guy for – all the story beats to follow
1: Yes, well that's between pete and myself because we we have offices that are right next to each other so i'm running back and forth i was like what about this yeah okay this is what i'm thinking and then this happens and this happens and then he says like, i like that but what if it was like this that and so we're kind of like, constantly like playing this this tennis match where and we're we're Eventually, growing the movie between us for a long time, it was just him and I. Where in all of all of the, the experiences of the movie, I think that, that we both, you know, kind of padded together. And and after that, uh, we won't answer all the questions. I still have a lot of things that are unanswered that I have to find out what it's what it feels like. It it tends to be more about that than the actual plot points. Yeah. What does it feel like? For us, either audience watching the movie, uh, at this point in the movie, or what does it feel like for your character to be going through that moment? Those are kind of the ways that we get inside our movies. Because if it was just plot points, it kind of has no weight when yeah. you're watching it. It's, it's, it's kind of like watching like the best of, of any somebody's skill set. Right. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's really good. good. But if you're not emotionally attached to the story, if you're not attached to what your main characters care about, then we fail. Yeah. And that's where I try and fix those things.
2: Well, talking about emotional attachment and figuring out what, who characters are, let's talk about Ellie Fredrickson for a bit. Um, You mentioned Up. Um, You were story supervisor on that film uh, with Pete Docter. You basically got to write her life story. Um, yeah, and she she's only in the film for five minutes, but she's you know she's a favorite among many people. It's when people think about Pixar and they think about Up specifically, they think of those first five minutes, um, and so I but I know that there was a lot in terms of her character and her her history and her relationship um, between the relationship between the two of them that did not make the final cut, and I'm wondering yeah. if you could share some of the ideas that just got left out because there was no time.
1: Yes, well, what we did between uh, Bob Peterson, uh, you know, co-director and writer of the movie and Pete Docter, director, myself, as head had a story, uh, because our offices are just, you know, right next to each other back then, what we did was we started telling the story of the history of Carl and Ellie from the time that they were little. There was a punching contest that we had boarded. I, I mean, I boarded all of that that, that showed that um, Ellie and, and Carl were neighbors and that the she had been kind of a a little girl who wants to protect these little birds that are uh, around their neighborhood, and Carl just wanted to catch birds, and they were at odds. and And she would punch him, and and every time that she that uh, he gets close to her, he would punch her. It was it was adversarial. It was very funny, and it was set to music. Uh, so we watched them grow up from being little kids to uh, adolescence, and then uh, and in adolescence. Um Carl wanted to go and sneak up on 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 Ellie, who's um trying to take out the trash because she's an only child too, and she's got her hair on rollers and 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 Carl is hiding in the bushes and he's going to go and sneak up on her and punch her, except that Ellie steps on a bottle cap and immediately starts holding her foot and saying, "Oh Joe, Joe," and hopping as she hops all her rollers and her hair. Uh, fly out, and in a slow-motion Clairol ad moment, in the moonlight, Carl witnesses this this girl who's his adversary turn into this shimmering beauty before his eyes, and he gets Twitter-painted, and he ends up punching himself instead. And from then on, he was in love with her. And after that, we watched them grow uh, to be... uh, uh, in high school or in college, where they're going to state fairs. They're both great fans of this great adventurer month, and um, they would follow all of his exploits, and Ellie wants to be an adventurer. Carl finds out that he's not as 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 courageous as Ellie, so all, all he does is support her, her, her uh, cravings for adventure. But they're kind of like... Um, Characters in It's a Wonderful Life, they have great yearnings and aspirations, but fate does not reward them with making their dreams come true. Ellie never goes on a great adventure, even though she's very adventurous. And, and Carl, uh, uh, he, he has aspirations of, of, of uh, being a great adventurer along with Ellie, but he ends up being you know great at being a balloon salesman. Um, those are the kind of things that we started telling the story about. We, we told a full story of, of their life wherein Elliot was employed in a museum and that uh, Carl actually goes and works right next to the museum. And then when she works at, um, at uh, a zoo in town, he wants to find a job that would be at the zoo. Um, when they get older, they're trying to save up so that finally they can travel, but fate steps in again, and then they can't because of of money troubles. So we had about like 30 minutes, maybe of of, of story that we're telling each other about their lives. And yet, even when we're doing that, we're having a good time. There's no way we can fit those stories in the movie. So they they gave it to me to kind of whittle down, kind of like, just distill it to the to the parts that you care about they because i worked in advertising and and in advertising you can make a 30 second spot uh that uh can be whittled down to uh a, a 15 or a 10 or a 5 but you have to be able to tell the most salient parts of the story right so they gave it to me and kind of like let me captain that ship and that what is that is what became the, the opening of the movie yeah. and the life story of of perfection
2: it was perfection i gotta tell you it was absolutely brilliant it's just beautiful well,
1: it, it, it was only because of the exercise of knowing exactly their entire lives yeah and then well sure only only then did you know what the what parts to keep
2: right um i know we're running up to the last few minutes we don't have you for very much longer we got a ton more questions that we could have asked um i th- we're gonna uh quest- another quest I guess, one of the last two questions real quick. We've got one that also came from one of our listeners. Um, wants to know if we're going to see any more Paper Biscuit. Paper Biscuit is your, well, your oh, series of graphic me. novels.
1: Yes, I, I, I do love my character, Nina, and I, and I wish that I could actually find more time to tell the rest of her story because uh, um, I, I've been still continuing to write her story. She's gotten a little older, too, and her life actually got more stable, her real life, but her actual other worldly life and to have gotten more complicated she's gotten more answers to her questions of where she's why she's having these moments and, and exactly where the rest of her uh memories of her actual life had gone so i i'm i'm hoping to be able to get to them in the next couple of years so any chance
2: anti- any chance we can see the existing ones back in print
1: uh, the existing ones, uh, not soon, because uh, as you know, just like anything in technology, uh, um, those files are, are so ancient that in order to bring them up to snuff uh, so that you can publish them now would take uh, a, a lot more concentration on my part, and, I, and, and I'm kind of like <laughs> too, too busy these days. But yeah. uh, I think that what's better to do actually would be to actually come up with a, 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 a new set of stories that um that could that could actually kind of motivate <laughs> adding those the, the older stories onto them
2: yeah and real quickly last question and this is may this might be something that you don't have any control over but do you think that we'll ever see another printing of the totoro forest project book
1: oh no my god you're right i love that book
2: i, I so and amazing. i never got it and i i'm just it's it's like the holy grail of art books for me and it's just oh, it's so goodness. expensive you,
1: you're right, and well, it, it it was it was created to be kind of the Faberge egg of of, of books, specifically for for that cause, so that people, hopefully, back then we were hoping that people, if you understand that this is the only time you're going to see this, please uh, donate. Yeah. Uh, no, that it seems like there's very very uh, little chance that uh, another publication of that you're another defense would happen, <laughs> but. Hopefully, you know a uh, uh, a copy or so shows up here and there. Yeah,
2: yeah, for a few hundred for hundreds of dollars on eBay. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep my eyes and ears out for you. <laughs> hey, thanks.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are. Uh,
1: it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank
0: you. We are, We were so uh, honored to have you on, and uh, Inside Out is instantly going to become in the like when people give their top threes i think this is going to be in people's top threes and we're just so Uh, honored to interview
1: you We love the movie thank you so much it's our pleasure and 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 so so happy to be talking about the movie yeah
2: thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today this has been fantastic thank you thank you guys
0: well there you have it that was our conversation with ronnie del Carmen. what did you think jamie
2: oh man it's awesome I, i i just every i have no words it's just the whole process that goes into making these films is mind blowing to me. You know, the fact that people stick with anything for five years is kind right. of impressive, let alone like the same, I mean, just the, the same film. You know, so when you think about it, these films are like 90 minutes, 100 minutes yeah. long, and it takes five years to bring them to us. Um, and I think that's something that far too few people appreciate, really.
0: Well, I mean, think about it. That's like going, you know, you go to college for four years or university. Yeah. And, you know, remember how much you remember from your university years. And these guys do this for five years and then it's done. Exactly. I can't can't help but think that there would be some sort of, I don't know, I think it'd be like finishing a great book. You know, it's over. What else else is there to do? Um, I'm, I'm sure they move on to other projects, but it's like they have to put all this thing they worked into and they just get to put it out there to see what people think of it.
2: Yeah, and hope, hope that it's good. Hope people like it. <laughs>
0: Cross their finger. Because <laughs> that's, you know, five years, that's, you, know, you can't really get that back. <laughs>
2: no, no. Perfect. But I think, that, I think with Inside Out, that was five years well spent.
0: It was. A fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, you have to go. Uh, I guess it's probably not in theaters now, but uh, the second it comes out on Blu-ray, go yeah. get yourself a copy and check it out. Yeah. Um, Jamie, I just wanted to mention before we go, we are involved in a giveaway all summer long. Summerofgiveaways.com. Just go over there and register. The first prizes are going out this week. I've been told. Um, so get registered, and they'll let you know if you're the winner. And we are personally sponsoring one of the prizes, so that's pretty cool.
2: What are we sponsoring? We are
0: giving away an iTunes gift card, so you can buy your free episodes of our podcast. <laughs> So we're going to be doing a $25 iTunes giveaway, uh, gift card in, in, as part of our prize. And there's a bunch of other cool stuff. So just head over to Summers of Giveaway or Summers of – SummerofGiveaway.com. Yes. Wait. <laughs> all Good right. Luck. So you want to find us on Twitter, and more of you have been. I've been noticing all the tweets. So it's pretty cool. Um, we are at the GBB podcast on Twitter, and we're also facebook.com slash the GBB podcast. Get in touch. Give us ideas. Let us know what you think. Shoot us some
2: questions. Talk to us. We're nice guys. We like to talk back. Um, you know, right. let us know what you're thinking.
0: And you know, the celebrity hasn't gone to our heads too much yet. Wait, <laughs> like, what? <celebrity? laughs> hey, Jamie, there's 40 people that think we it. No, <laughs> we're good.
2: like four. <laughs> <laughs> it's a my mom. Yeah. Uh, your wife. My, my cousin. Wife.
0: <laughs> my cousin Sarah listens every week. So. There you go. There yeah. you go. <laughs> shout out to your cousin there you go hey sarah what's up she does listen actually um so yeah and you can find me 140 justin c on all platforms and jamie is
2: the robots on all platforms
0: perfect all right guys thank you so much for joining us this week as uh well i'll cut that thank you so much for joining us this week uh we will definitely be back next week with another probably an interview i'm guessing
2: yeah probably <laughs>
0: probably no promises so come back next week have a great week guys take care <laughs> this podcast has been a production of the geek dad podcast network if you've enjoyed this content please consider supporting us
1: at patreon.com slash